0: The sacred writings of the Baha'i Faith teach that music is a ladder for the soul. My name is Jack Gordon, host of Interfaith-ish, and on this ongoing series of conversations I'm calling Soul Ladder Music, I invite you to climb with me as we hear songs and stories from a diverse array of musicians who connect sound and spirit. This week marks the Jewish festival of Hanukkah, and to honor the occasion, I've invited Ladino singer and cultural preservationist Sarah Eroesti, to talk about her unique style of music that revives Jewish folk songs from the Mediterranean region. Through romantic and rhythmic melodies, Sarah presents songs that draw on deep spiritual tradition and are ultimately a celebration of survival. And with Sarah as an enthusiastic and joyful cultural ambassador, it's impossible not to see the bright future ahead for this community that came so close to being erased. Enjoy my conversation with Sarah Arouesti. your music for the first time, I think it was about a year ago, before I even had developed the concept for this interview series and this conversation series of conversations with musicians. Um, and, you know, I really felt like I was immediately taken in by what I heard. And and I thought, wow, this is really somebody that I want to talk to. So since you've been developing it, you've been on my list.
1: Oh,
2: fabulous. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, I, you know, I found the 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 music that you create and the arrangements that you and your bands do just to be so beautiful. Um, and I just I I really appreciated the, and and enjoyed the experience of of getting to know uh, an aspect of Jewish culture that we're not really familiar with in the mainstream.
2: Totally. Yes.
0: So, just by way of introduction, I want to hear a little bit about if you can share a little bit about your religious upbringing and the role that music played in it in your household
2: well i grew up in a very musical family nobody was a professional but music was around me all the time mostly classical music so i really grew up on mm. western classical music and um simultaneously I grew up in a very proud Jewish family not particularly religious mm. but the one thing we did um that has stuck with me and I do with my own children now is that every Friday for the Sabbath every single Friday night when the Sabbath begins we would always be together as a family and have a big family dinner and light the Sabbath candles and say the blessings over the wine and the bread, which is what um, we do in Jewish culture. And that was really sacred to my family, that just slowing down and being together on a Friday evening. Mm -hmm. And it's one of my favorite parts about Jewish tradition is that we have this weekly breath that we can take to slow down.
0: How then was your attraction to the Ladino tradition within that culture? How did that come up? Was that always a part of it as uh, from childhood as well?
2: Well, I grew up in a very proud Sephardic family, and a lot of people Mm. don't know even what Sephardic means. So when I use the term, I'm referring to people who can trace their ancestry back to pre-1492. So Jews who lived in the Iberian Peninsula prior to the Edict of Expulsion. So in 1492, everyone had to either convert to Catholicism or leave, and many, many hundreds of thousands of Jews decided to leave instead of convert and most of them not all of them but most of them went towards the Ottoman Empire um where we were welcomed by the Sultan mm. and that is where my family ended up my family ended up in what is today North Macedonia but by, you know back then it was just the the Ottoman Empire right, uh, right and in fact my my grandfather who was born in Macedonia um he always said that he, was uh, born in Greece, but that he was a Turk, and that he spoke Spaniel. So, that right? That sums up the Sephardic experience, which is to say that when the Jews left Spain and went towards the Middle East, towards the Ottoman Empire, they retained this Hispanic. Culture and identity that also was reflected in the language, this beautiful language of Ladino, and they sort of combined it and used it as they lived in these um, Turkish and Arab lands. And what ha- results is this just gorgeous melding of you know melodies and rhythms and languages and textures. And um, I grew up with these stories from my grandfather and my relatives who were born in the region they left during the balkan wars which is a war we don't really talk about so often Um, that was in 1912 1913 when the ottoman empire collapsed and uh, they settled in america and you know they really tried to become american as quickly as they could they really tried to assimilate and they left a lot of the traditions from the old country behind so here i was growing up knowing that i had this rich heritage and i would see these pictures um, you know, family portraits on the wall of, you know, my grandfather wearing a fez or um my great grandfather with a big Nargila. And, you know, wow, I grew up in suburban New Jersey and it was so you know, <laughs> connecting for me. I didn't quite know how to how to you know what mm-hmm. to make of it. And every time I asked my elders to speak to me in Ladina or, you know, tell me more, either they had forgotten it or they just mm. didn't want to Uh, recall it because they were firmly American at this point. So I loved this part of my identity and I just always felt like I was craving more and I wanted to know more. And it was really, and when I, you know, it's a typical story, I left my house and that's when I sort of felt that freedom um, to explore my heritage more fully. And so I found myself in Israel. I was performing at the Israel Vocal Arts Institute, which is like um, sort of like a summer feeding ground for the Tel Aviv Opera. And I was there studying Western classical music. I thought I was going to be an opera singer. Um, And um, it was there that just coincidentally, my opera coach was the late, great Nico Castel, who just happened to be... Um a, a wonderful singer in his own right, but he also shared my same Sephardic heritage and was an expert in ladino music and I'd mm. never met anybody who could so you know fully share with me these traditional ladino tunes that I didn't grow up with and so in between our opera coachings, he would teach me classical ladino repertoire and it was so clear very soon after that that's where my musical leanings were it was not opera i mean no offense to mozart but i just did not feel that same spiritual pull (laughs)
1: um
2: you know towards the classical opera repertoire but every time i started singing ladino music there was something so um so inherent in my soul that sort of came out when I was singing that audience members noticed it too. Whenever I would include a Ladino song in a classical recital, everyone would come up to me afterwards and say the Ladino portion was their favorite part. And I think it's because I must have been singing it differently. It was really- And the
0: rhythms are there and you're dancing and you just can't help but move.
2: It's just a different, (laughs) yeah, Yeah. sensibility and it was just it, it's what I gravitated to. So eventually I made that like major shift and I said goodbye to opera and I went full time doing Ladino music. And now it's been over 20 years.
0: Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Ladino is, is sort of a blend of, of Spanish and Hebrew. And and is there other languages that are, that are mixed oh, in there as well?
2: Love that. Yes. It's really a, an incredibly unique Language. Um, a lot of people compare it to Yiddish, which is mm. German mixed in with Hebrew, but, but it's actually not the um, it's not the same equivalency. So in, instead, what happened was in 1492, when the Jews were exiled, they were completely cut off from Spain. And so they couldn't hear how Spanish developed into the vernacular as we know it today. So mm. their version of Spanish was this you know, frozen, ossified dialect of 15th century Castilian Spanish. So they took that 15th century Spanish and as they traversed the Mediterranean going eastwards towards the Ottoman Empire, they combined that with bits and pieces of languages from the countries they encountered or settled in um, along the way. So you'll hear Spanish, that 15th century Spanish at its core, but you'll hear bits of French, Italian, Portuguese, Greek, Turkish, Arabic and Hebrew. It mm. is a beautiful pan-Mediterranean language that kind of takes the best of all these other languages and smushes them together to make a brand <laughs> new one um, called Ladino. You know, and you know, it's such a tragedy that that so few people have even heard of Ladino because up until World War II, it was the primary language spoken by jews throughout the mediterranean
1: Mm.
2: and you know in a flash in in world war ii it you know i wouldn't say it disappeared it's still very much alive today but the speakers were proportionally exterminated at at a much higher rate not in terms of number but where my family is from in macedonia in our little town called Monastir, 98% of the Jewish population was killed. It's the highest percentage wow. of any other place throughout wow. the war. 98%. I mean, just wrap your head around that. An entire right people was you know wiped off the face of the earth um, and with that you lose the music you lose the stories you lose the language you lose the culture and so everything i do today is with that in mind to make sure that these stories and these musical legacies get carried on
0: does that work of of cultural preservation stop at the music or is there an interest in helping young people also connect with ladino uh, culture and tradition in other ways
2: such a great question so i'm of the firm believer that preservation is not about looking backwards only Mm. Um, there are plenty of beautiful singers and academics who work mainly in the traditional repertoire so the repertoire that has already existed for the last you know hundreds of years, um, my interest is actually in the contemporary representation of of Ladino um, because I believe that preservation really only works if we're creating new <laughs> music mm-hmm. and um new art in this culture that is how it will be preserved longer term and so yes um i am one of few composers in ladino who writes her own music primarily i do have projects that um, are rooted in traditional repertoire but um, for the last decade or so i've mostly been writing my own music and i also um write children's music And so I had an album in 2016 that was really just for children, Hora de Despertar, which means time Mm -hmm. to wake up. Mm -hmm. And for kids, it's just a really fun, rocking album of, you know, typical children's songs that you could find in any language, you know, songs about animals on a farm and, you know, things you do to wake up in the morning and you know, learning different body parts and uh-huh. I'm sure, like you know, typical children's album that is just fun and easily repeatable and danceable. But for adults it had a much wider meaning. Hora de despertar, time to wake up. It's time to wake up and start teaching our children before it's too late because this culture will die out if, if we don't.
0: to get into some of your songs um and the stories behind some of the songs that you you shared oh so close. Right? so
2: close yeah, oh what nine months
0: <laughs> <It literally laughs> is okay got a, it okay.
2: gestation period for a pregnancy this comes from the tradition of um of canticas de parida, birth songs. There was a whole tradition of birth songs. And this song in particular has a pronunciation style, a Ladino pronunciation unique to my family city of Monastir. So Mm. um, just like any dialect, uh, it often is regional. So whether you were a Sephardic Jew who ended up in Greece versus Turkey versus Macedonia, we have slight differences. So this is a unique version to um, to monastir, and it is a song on the surface about literally <laughs> these hard nine months and um, of of um, carrying a child, and then that moment when when the child comes, um, and you hear in the song um, a couple of dali dali dali's, which means push push push, and you hear a couple of amen amen amens, <laughs> and these. Um, uh, you know, pleading to to God for an easy birth. Um, as a mother of two children, I can
1: definitely
2: do <laughs> the birthing experience. But more right. than that, what I love about this song um is that um, it is it, it represents the communal outpouring of joy and love from a sephardic community in that you can hear in the song and through the tradition of 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 birth songs um, that it was a communal activity when Mm. a new child arrived um, in that the mother gave birth and then the whole town would come out to greet the new parents and their child and they would come bearing food and gifts and wine and it was a big celebration. I mean, a new Jewish child it's like what what could be, you know, more of a blessing than that. And wow. I just love the message of this song that it is um you know, it's a it's building up a community every time a child is born. And I included this song on an album that came out last year called Monastir. And it's actually the title track mm-hmm. of um or it's rather the first track mm-hmm. of that album very purposefully because there are no Jews left in Monastir. Eight mm. percent was killed. So after World War II, not a single Jewish community has ever lived again in mm. Monastir. So to start that album with a birth song, um, I felt was really important because I want to sort of give birth, give life back to this community. And it was like this um musical tribute that I created for this lost, um, lost Jewish city. And you know, I'm hoping through through music and through education we can sort of you know birth new life into um, the, the memory of, of this city. So that's, um, that's what's behind that song.
0: And you're bringing that community along with you to celebrate that, that birth. It sounds like, cause there are a number of other artists that are featured on the album with you. Are they from also from Israel and Macedonia together?
2: Exactly. So that project, the Monastir project is, um, a Joint venture <laughs> with um, me and over 30 musicians. I. Wow curated the album. I wrote many of the songs. um, But it was very important to me to not make this an album about me. I really wanted to represent the different textures and cultures that existed prior to 1492. And I couldn't do that myself. So I engaged uh, Jews, Christians, Muslims, Macedonians, Israelis, even a couple Germans and Spaniards to really fill out this album to give it the unique um, taste and flavors and textures that really represented what it was like to live in, you know, in the Turkish Empire, in the Ottoman Empire, um, you know, back in the day when my grandfather lived there. And so um, this song has a lot of those same um, flavors. It starts with a shofar. It ends with a muezzin call. You can really hear a lot of those different influences.
3: De corazón contente, tengo más de mil años, he traversado mares y fronteras. Un día tornaré a mi tierra, que el calor de mi madre me espera.
0: The next song that you had, uh, Chica Morena, what's the message of this song and how do you connect with it yourself?
2: It was actually the very first song I ever wrote. So Mm -hmm. um, I'm, you know, I have a soft spot for it in in any case, but um, I wrote it because it is about the iconic Chica Morena, the dark haired girl, the sort of like the gypsy girl who was kicked out of Spain and has been wandering the earth ever since and the chorus is about um a girl who has lost her her color meaning you know back in the day if you had a a lighter skinned face it meant that you were of nobility you know you never had to be out in the in the sun um Mm -hmm. but that this girl who was kicked out and doesn't have a home she is literally outdoors wandering from place to place and so she loses her her pale skin and becomes darker she becomes more um you know I don't want to say adulterated but she she becomes um more seasoned <laughs> in the world for better or for worse. And it's this journey she feels as all she wants to do is to return home. And so the words talk about listening to the voices of her ancestors. I mean, it's very autobiographical. It's Mm. getting the messaging from your um, the call from your ancestors to lead you to that, you know, proverbial home, you know, wherever that means in this hyper globalized world today. But it's about, you know, understanding your roots and where you come from and and what that means. And as a young girl, I was really searching and I wanted to understand my roots more. And um, this song, by writing this song, it it allowed me um, to explore that feeling.
0: During your journey, I imagine you you must have connected with other chicas morenas (laughs) in in your in your experience. So tell me about how do you how do you feel in in that community now? Do you feel like you you have built your home at this point? Have you have you found found that community that you've been looking for as a young
2: person? For sure. I mean, 20 years on, (laughs) um, I I have I would have given up a long, long time ago. In fact, um, I grew up with a single mother. And when I. Mm when i told her after you know this opera trajectory i had been on that i you know and i i said to my mom mom i want to start a ladino rock band and you can imagine she was <laughs> You you know, I'm kidding right? She wanted to make sure I had. She insisted that I had a side job.
0: Yeah, screams job security, right?
2: I could pay my rent. So the big joke is, you know, twenty years later, I'm still doing this. I don't know if I'm still able to pay my rent, but I'm still doing it. Um, because yeah, you don't go into this business to become rich and famous, right? You you have to really have a passion and mm-hmm. and love for for what you do. And so I feel very grateful that. You know, um, I have found community, whether it's the Jewish music community, the Macedonian community, the Israeli community. I mean, we're all um, as world musicians. I don't love that title at all. But as musicians of the world, um, (laughs) it has been a beautiful journey connecting with musicians, you know, Literally from all over the world, I have a wonderful network of musicians that um, I have worked with, and that has been the greatest gift, certainly.
0: And as you travel back to Macedonia, what what is it? How are you received back there? What is the community like there? And and what is the interest locally in in uh, refamiliarizing themselves with these cultures?
2: So the biggest joke in my family is that you know nobody here has ever heard of me in America, but I am huge in Macedonia. <laughs> <laughs> I get off the airplane! I'm not kidding. I'm greeted with you know bouquets of flowers and chocolates and stuffed animals for wow. my kids. I mean, I am a rock star there, and, it's <laughs> <laughs> um, and it is just it is wild being there because they really see me as. A daughter of yes. of monastery you know they are so craving to reconnect with their history they feel robbed you know there are no Jews there they're all non-Jews and yet they are the ones left behind to preserve the history this very rich storied history of Jewish life before World War II and they are doing a beautiful job um and when I first became involved in that work, it was in 2014, Um, they, you know, immediately sort of claimed me as one of their own. And it's been, you know, I I did it gladly. Um, I, they're my dearest friends. And um, going there really is an incredible experience, especially because, you know, I can say that with the rise of anti-Semitism today, and sort of the misunderstanding about our culture to be in a place where being jewish is so honored and mm. so respected and so beloved i mean it's like i mean it is amazing um to experience and um i love going there i go a couple times a year and oh, I, great. I really feel at home there
0: i was curious about about what you were saying though about the about on the us side so you know mm. there there's I think in, in this in this moment there really is um, a conversation about what does Jewish community mean, what does it look like, who belongs, you know, who, and and so I would think that there would be a very strong um, audience for your music and an interest in it. Do you feel like this is something that is is growing, or is it still something that the community has that Ashkenormative uh, tendency in the mainstream?
2: Yeah, I think we're still really stuck in an Ashkenormative path, um, and I, I think it's changing. And I think people are making efforts to to change that. But as a performing artist, um, I often find that it's sort of like the one and done mentality. That if you you know bring in a Sephardic musician for mm-hmm. a concert, you filled that slot in for the next. Check the year. Box. Exactly. Uh-huh. It's not an ongoing conversation with non Ashkenazi artists. And um, so while I'm happy to be included as the token Sephardic Jew in a Jewish music festival, (laughs) right, it's got to be more than that. And so um, one of the things I am fierce about is um, creating longer lasting experiences with any community that I go into. So when I do, let's say artist residencies, I don't want to just do a concert and leave. Um, I really insist on creating memories and hands-on experiences that I think will resonate with people far longer than, you know, one hour concert could. So I do what are called, for example, cook and sings. So I'll pick um, a Sephardic food item, and I'll really geek out into the history of the food, and then I'll combine it with songs that are inspired by the food or vice versa. And, you know, it's sort of this mixture, this conversation between different cultural touchstones, whether it be music and food and storytelling. Um, I do what are called sing talks. I do programs with, um, you know, hands-on programs with kids. Um, I do book readings. I write children's books with Sephardic themes too. Mm. So, all of these things are related, so that when I go into a community, they can experience Sephardic culture in multi dimensions, and I find that that sticks with people uh, far longer.
0: I'm so glad that you brought up the food element because I feel like I can't help mm-hmm. uh, when I listen to your music to to be hit with certain you know smells of spices, mm-hmm. and you know you have I can't remember what that what that's called where you have that that um, uh, mix of sensory perception. You know, Absolutely. you hear, you hear a smell, and you, you know, you 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 see a taste or something like that. And I feel like your music actually does that. That my mouth almost waters because ah. I'm, I'm I'm tasting all the great food of the Mediterranean region. Well, it's
2: funny <laughs> you should say that because it's not released yet, but my next album it is um being mastered right now. It's going to be out in. April um my next album is called Savor which literally mm. means taste or flavor in Ladino and it is a get this a music and food pairing so Love what it. i've done is i've curated 10 songs in Ladino all of which revolves around a very specific food item and each song has been paired with a Sephardic chef who has Come up with a recipe inspired by the food item in the song. So they right. are—they have been videoed in demos, and um, it's going to be a whole digital platform where you can listen to the song, click on the recipe, watch the demo of the food being made by this impressive chef. It's going to be a really, really cool project. It's out in April, um, but I had so much fun coming up with the songs. I mean, <laughs> we—I divided the um, the track listing by. <laughs> appetizers, main dish and dessert. So and there's something for everyone. We've got vegetarian, vegan, meat, fish, chicken, we've got it all and it's going to be delicious and so fun to listen to.
0: This next song, Buena Semana, this is a celebration of Shabbat, the Sabbath, and um, includes a number of references to prayers that are said. So take us through uh, the story there. What What is this song about?
2: I chose this song because, um, you know, as I said, Shabbat has always been sacred to me, um, no matter where I've lived in the world and, um, you know, before I had children and after. And I just, the Sabbath is just so so precious to me and hmm. this song is actually to um to end the sabbath it's for the ceremony that comes at the end called Havdalah. Mm-hmm. and Havdalah is i feel like a really underappreciated um part of of jewish culture but it's the Marking the 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 marking off of Shabbat into the next week, so it's really dividing the the holy from the I don't want to say mundane, but the the sacred from the non sacred, um, and it's to really appreciate what we've had during Shabbat and to carry mm-hmm. some of that beauty and sacredness with us. Um, throughout the week. And it's about the new possibilities, right? Shabbat is over. And now we have a whole week ahead. And Mm. what does the week represent for you? Can you bring some of that holiness with you into that week? Um, The chorus speaks about Alma, your your soul. And in Hebrew, the word is Neshama. So Alma, Neshama, repeat um, throughout the song. And it's Just about, you know, living our best lives week to week. And, you know, I sometimes um, I don't forget, but I want to remind people that Ladino folk repertoire is so beautiful and rich with stories and um, they can be funny, they can be romantic, they can be this, they can be that. But at the core of what we're talking about is this, you know all of this music is sacred in its own way and is grounded mm-hmm. in something spiritual. Um, you know, even though the language itself isn't necessarily Jewish, I mean, it sounds more like Spanish than anything else, but you know, mm-hmm. at its core is this spiritual element. And I really wanted to bring that in um, for this song.
0: What are some of the, the Shabbos traditions that you guys celebrate in your household?
2: Well, one of the things that um i love doing is using oil candles so Mm. we're used to using wax candles but the sephardic tradition was actually to use oil candles um olive oil um you know we were in the mediterranean home of the olive right
0: (laughs) it's right there
2: right there um but what's really interesting about um oil candles and we also use them for for hanukkah is that the wicks burn differently so um, mm. wax um candles, the, the wicks flicker. But in an oil candlestick, when you put the wick in the oil, it doesn't flicker, it stays steady. And the mm. rabbis, you know, Sephardic rabbis, of course, had a lot to say about this, and they prefer oil candles because they want to create calm in a house. It's called shalom bai, peace in the house. So by having mm. a calm light, a calm candle, it's supposed to, you know, evoke, um, a peaceful house. So I love using the oil.
0: Oh, that's such a beautiful image. Yeah. We've been talking about your music, but as as we do with our our uh, guests, we ask about what music inspires you and and what uplifts your spirit from other uh, artists that you enjoy. Box Cello con- uh, Suite, uh, number one in G major, uh, performed by Yo-Yo Ma. Uh, what's your connection with this iconic piece of music?
2: A couple of things. Um, so Yo-Yo Ma has a summer house um, right where I live. I live in very. Rural- <laughs> Western
0: <laughs> <A> celebrity sighting. <laughs> um,
2: well, actually, one of my greatest memories, I got to Hava Nagila. I got to do the like famous Jewish dance with Yo-Yo Ma at a birthday party like 20 years ago. And it was like, wow. a- life. Um, but I live in very rural Massachusetts in the Berkshires. And there's a very mm-hmm. famous music festival here called Tanglewood. And um, it's the summer house of Yo Yo Ma. I mean, he um, he performs here, and i just all, always loved him. So that's the, that's the first part. But much more than that, um, um, as I mentioned, my my family was very musical growing up, and my parents were real classical music lovers. Um, and my father died when I was a child, and some of my my deepest fondest memories um were of him picking me up at school he had this tiny little car and he would pick me up at school with the, all the windows down blasting box
1: ch- <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> mendels Mendelssohn violin concertos it was one or the other but i just have this image of my my father just driving up with classical music blaring <laughs> from, <laughs> from the car um and to this day, this one album of, of music is what I use when I need to calm myself down. Wow. So always listen to it when I was studying for exams in college. It would always be just on repeat in the background. And um, the I'd say the most recent real um, uh, reason why I love this song is that I when I was pregnant. <laughs> I was creating my birthing playlist.
0: Of course, as you do. Yep.
2: My husband was recommending, okay, you know, what are some 80s hits that you could just like rock out to and sing along with at Madonna. <laughs> And Madonna? Nope. I'm going to listen to some Bach cello suites. And so we just wow. had this on loop in the birthing room. Wow. And I gave birth. And um, yeah, to this day, I just, I always go to this music when I just need to calm down, close my eyes and take a deep breath
0: What a wonderful way to connect uh, with the memory of your father and it's <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm thinking of uh, most kids would be mortified if their parent pulls up plastic, <laughs> you know, whatever the music was, but the fact that it connects with you to create peace and then you're passing it on to your own child, that's a beautiful thing
4: L'amore. Como las flores, la hermosura de mucha color. Rescúchame, la como las flores, la hermosura.
0: Song you selected is L'Amour by Flori Jagoda, who's an artist I'm not familiar with. What's your connection with this song?
2: Flori Jagoda is credited for being the person who brought Ladino music to the United States. She was a Holocaust survivor from Sarajevo, and um she came to the US, and she is really considered the greatest preservationist of um. Of traditional Ladino repertoire, but she also wrote many of her own songs. So if people know any Ladino songs at all, they might know Ocho Candelicas, which is a Hanukkah song. And they think it's like this old, new traditional song. It's not. She wrote it in the 1980s, and it has become one of the most famous um, Hanukkah songs. And um, she wrote that as well as many other incredible songs. And um, she won some of the highest honors from um, the U.S. Um, government. I mean, she she has uh, won like the National Heritage Award or whatever um, the highest honor of arts and culture is. Um, she really is. um sort of the mother of of ladino here so she's always inspired me but i was lucky enough to to know her she died last Mm. year in her 90s and um she was just a beautiful beautiful soul and musician and so generous with her time and her music and i just loved her dearly so much so that this one song l'amor was the song that i walked down the aisle to oh well thing and i just knew i wanted a ladino song obviously but i i knew that it had to be this this song um all about love and it's her voice that is just oh my gosh you hear it and you just you're taken back to a different to a different world she is such a unique timber and just oh oh i could listen to that song what what were,
0: what was the experience that she shared with you? You know, as you reflect, uh, as as being a a musician, you know, in a, in, I, I I'm I'm hesitant to even say niche. Like niche doesn't even really describe it. But but you're you you have, as we were talking about before, this this real mission, this calling to to um, be as much a, a cultural preservationist as as you are a performing artist and i wonder for her as somebody of that previous generation that was even that much closer to the experiences that you were you were describing of of the you know for example the macedonian uh, jewish community being wiped out um what what were some of the the things that she shared with with you as 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 somebody that was continuing in her legacy
2: she was so generous and you know she never had um you know, the sort of this feeling of ownership over her music. She had a lot of apprentices and she was so thrilled when people would sing her, her music. And, um, I became very friendly with her children who, you know, every time I asked if I could sing one of her songs, you know, they said, of course, Flori would be delighted. You know, she'd be so happy. She loved the fact that her music, you know, caught on with young, you know, younger generations. Um, we used to have these gatherings um, at her house or at one of her children's houses um, where they would invite like 20 friends and we would just each bring a favorite Sephardic dish. Um and we would put it on the table in front of us. And of course there was wine and raki and you know all the good stuff. And we would just sit around sharing songs and just singing for hours and hours and hours. And we did this, you know, several times. And I mean there's there's just nothing like that. When you are. That
0: sounds like the party to be invited to, my goodness.
2: Literally <laughs> your musical you know, role model and you're just singing just, you know, casually around a table going, you know, sharing verses and going round and round. I mean, it's just that will never that that can't be beat. That can't be topped.
5: Your beauty is there in all I see And when I eyes on me Ooh, Don't you know you just take my breath away Say My life is yours My heart will be Singing for you eternally Oh Don't you know you just It's too good to lose Too good to be there just to use I'm gonna stand on a mountain top And tell the news That you take
0: The last song that you picked, uh, uh, Tuck and Patty, Takes My Breath Away. Tuck and Patty are also some of my wife's favorites to listen to. Um, We were actually supposed to see them in in Montreal at the Montreal Jazz Festival this past summer. And they had to cancel at the last minute. We were really disappointed about that. Um, What what speaks to you about uh, hearing when you hear this duo perform?
2: Oh, I just love them. Um, And I feel like not enough people know who they are. I mean, I've been listening to them for you know, since the 90s, at least. Uh-huh. So if you're not familiar, it's um, a husband and wife duo. She sings, he plays guitar. Um, and first of all, they just, I mean, her, her voice is incredible and just their musical conversation with each other. I've just, I think they're amazing, but it was really the song itself that I chose. I mean, I love them mm. as, as artists, but the lyrics, I stand on a mountaintop and I want to tell the world that you just take my breath away. And you, you hear her sing it and there's this like pause right before she says, you take my breath away. And one of the first times I heard this song was, um, it it was soon after my father died actually. And I was in Israel and I was literally in the mountains or I was in the desert. Rather, I was on a, Plateau in the desert, mm. in the Negev desert. And I was, I had my Walkman on <laughs> and I was, um, I was doing like a little solo meditation. Um, mm. and I was literally on top of a mountain and I was listening to this song in Israel. Like, I just want to scream from the mountaintops that you just take my breath away. And I know it's supposed to be a love song, but <laughs> I'm not talking about my dad, but no, it's just this feeling of yeah. amazement and awe at the world and to be in Israel listening to it and being on top of Mount it was just sort of this convergence of like so so much spirituality all at once mm. um and that has always stuck with me and I've just always loved that song when I just feel moments of amazement I just I want to I want to listen to that song
0: <laughs> you know coming to the um to the title of this of this series the name of this this series soul ladder music it takes its name from um a quote from the writings of the baha'i faith um that say that god has made music as a ladder for our souls Mm -hmm. and as i'm picturing that that image of you on the plateau in the desert you know so many um deeply religious experiences happen out there in the wilderness. (laughs) Um, You know, Bible stories involving ladders as well, you know. And I wonder, I wonder how does that image of music being a a ladder for your soul, how does that resonate for you?
2: Oh, certainly. I mean, I feel closer to, you know, I do happen to believe in God, so I can say that I feel closer to God when I'm singing. Um, Mm -hmm. I always tell people that my first performance was my bat mitzvah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Set set the scene for us. What was the bat mitzvah experience like?
2: Not wait for my bat mitzvah, you know, 13 year old (laughs) old love to sing. And then, Oh, I get to sing Jewish music. I would, I just loved it. I had a blast and it was the first time I actually ever sang a Ladino song. Um, Mm -hmm. There is a um, a very well known um, song that you sing at the end of a service, and um, I insisted on doing it in Ladino, and so I had the Ladino version, and I I did it, and so that was really my first my first Ladino performance, and I was very.
0: What was the What was the song?
2: Well, so the Hebrew one is "Ein Kelohenu." Uh huh. So the Hebrew part goes in caloheinu in karoneinu in camel ke nu en kemo and then here's the Ladino. Non como muestro Dior, non como muestro
3: senor, non como muestro re non como muestro salvador.
0: Wow, <laughs> great. And you brought down the house. <laughs> 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 That's amazing. That's so great that it 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 you know it it caught a fire with you at such a young age. That's such a special thing to be able to have that connection.
2: Yeah. And so for me, music has always been this spiritual part of me. And it's so wrapped up in my Jewish identity and now mm. my Spartac identity. Um it's really hard for me to separate the two.
3: Nos viene la fiesta de la alegría a todos mozos llena de alegría la mujer no
0: As we're in this time of the the festival of Hanukkah, how do you on, honor the holiday and um what music is special to you at this time?
2: Well, I last year released an entire album of Ladino Hanukkah songs. Yes, you did. <laughs> because I was looking around and you know there are a couple famous Ladino and Sephardic Hanukkah songs, but During COVID, I was asked to do so many virtual Hanukkah shows, and I had to, like, build up my repertoire, right? And so as I was researching songs, I found just absolute treasures. And then, of course, I wanted to fill that out, so I wrote a couple of my own. And by the end, I realized, wow, I have a whole album worth of just joyous, beautiful, fun, vibrant, lively Hanukkah song. So I released it last year. It's called Hanukkah, which is a very appropriate With an name.
0: exclamation point.
2: And the emphasis on the ah, uh, Hanukkah. Hanukkah <laughs> Is there an
0: invert is there an inverted exclamation point at the beginning too? No. Oh, okay. Do you do that, Ladido? No, we don't. There's no there's no inverted explosion. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh,
2: and it's really one of my favorite albums. You know, not necessarily musically, I mean I do love it musically. I've loved all my albums for different reasons, but it's just it was so I wanted to bottle up that joy I was feeling from, you know, during COVID, even when people were inside mm. their homes, everyone was searching for a way to connect and celebrate Hanukkah. You know, it's such a joyous festival filled, literally the festival of lights. Um, and I just found with every candle lighting concert I was being asked to do, you could just feel the joy was so palpable and I wanted to bottle that up. And so that's what I did. And I put it in this album. So I just find it just a really joyful um, joyful album that I'm I'm really proud of.
0: The lesson of Hanukkah is is really you know it's a it's a it's a holiday as you said it's it's about light light in the darkness it's about you know um, dedication it's actually about perseverance and resisting assimilation. So, what what do these themes say to you in the context of your work of uh, Ladino cultural preservation?
2: Well, especially in my in my Hanukkah album, in my liner notes, I write about the fact that Hanukkah is a miracle, right? The celebration of of Hanukkah is to celebrate the miracle of a couple of things, a that the Jews persisted and we um we prevented assimilation, we we you know Beat the Greeks, so to speak, um, in this one um, battle. And when they came back to rededicate their temple, they had a little, you know, canister of oil that you know nobody believed would last as long as it did, and it lasted eight days. And you know, that's the miracle that we speak of. Um, so you know, Hanukkah is a celebration of miracles. But by my recording songs for Hanukkah specifically in Ladino, I was trying to make the point that we are celebrating another miracle too. The fact that Ladino has also survived. You know, most people have said that Ladino is, um, you know, on its way out or that it's going to be extinct soon. In fact, UNESCO has listed it as one of the most severely endangered languages. However, that doesn't mean that it's not worth you know, preserving and learning about. We might be small in number, but we are not small in in importance. The Sephardic story is so integral to not only the Jewish story but to world history. Um, the Spanish Inquisition, you know, we don't really talk about so much because mm-hmm. other wars have so you know overshadowed that experience. But for So many people, not just Jews, but the Spanish Inquisition was one of the most major events in modern history that completely changed the demography of Europe. Um, and it is a miracle that Sephardic Jews have survived this mm-hmm. long, through so much dispersion and exile and wars um, and assimilation. And we're still here and we're still singing and we're still creating music and this language of Ladino is still being spoken. It is true that no one will be born speaking Ladino again as a first language. That is true. Mm-hmm. Since World War II, no one will be born speaking it as their primary first language. But there are still many speakers still alive today, um, and many people who are learning it and are teaching it. It's now taught in, I believe, six universities in the United States. There are you know so many different online courses and mobile apps to learn it. I mean, there is some sort of a renaissance happening and awareness that this is an important part of history and that we have to hold on to it. So for all of those reasons, um, Hanukkah for me is so resonant you know in this um idea of of miracles i feel so blessed to be here as a jew as a sephardic jew as a ladino speaking jew for all of it i find this time just miraculous
0: well it's it's a hanukkah gift to all of us that you're making music and and doing the work to keep um this traditional live. So, thank you for that. Thank you for, for sharing the music with us and for, for continuing to do it. Also, alongside all sorts of tasty dishes. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for, for taking the time to talk to me today, Sarah.
2: Really, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: And, uh, and a feliz Hanukkah.
2: <laughs>
0: Hanukkah alegre. Hanukkah alegre. for making the climb with me this week on Soul Ladder Music. To hear Sarah Aroeste's music and learn more about the many programs she offers about Sephardic and Ladino culture, visit s-a-r-a-h-a-r-o-e-s-t-e dot com. If you're interested in learning Ladino, check out her TikTok series, Cute Kids Speaking Ladino. And for the cute kid in your life, Sarah's children's books are a great way to say Hanukkah Alegre. As always, I'll have links to all the songs in this episode in our show notes and check out the Soul Ladder Music playlist on Spotify for a running list of all the music played during this series. Thanks to Jeff Philosopher for providing our theme music and to my associate producer, Aiden Keys. And a special thanks to everyone who contributed to WOWD during our fun drive. It's never too late to make your contribution or become a monthly contributor to our wonderful Tacoma Radio. You can keep tuning into to WOWD for great music and programs seven days a week, streaming online at TacomaRadio.org.